The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric France and Andre Salveson here on a Monday. Hope you had a good weekend. Good to back, uh, get back into the swing of things for the start of a new week. Uh, I had some time off last week. Thank you, IJ, for holding down the fort while I was away. Uh, as I came into the studio today, it looked like most everything was back where it needed to be. Nothing was too out of place. Back where it needed to be. Buttons seemed to work, so they weren't broken. So it looks like you uh, you had a good time. Well, I, uh, <laughs> I missed you. It's good. Oh, I missed you too, Audrey. No, I know. I really didn't miss you. I really missed you too. That's uh, good. <laughs> uh, no, uh, it was a uh, it was a good week. We had some great interviews, but uh, glad to have you back. Into uh, you picked a good day to come back too. Plenty of sportsing talk to the, to get through. So, uh, how's the uh, how's the Kokomos? I know you make a regular trip down there often. The what? The Kokomos. What are the Kokomos? Uh, uh, well, the, you know the islands, the one that uh, the Beach Boys sing about. I wouldn't know. Wouldn't know. Yes, you would. No. Don't didn't, be modest. Didn't go there. <laughs> um, yeah. I went well, right into the fiery furnace of, of Phoenix, Arizona. 111 degrees with wind. It was like a blow dryer on you the whole time. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, man. Um, but it was good. Good. good to get away for a minute. Good. Uh, well, welcome back. Good to have you back. And again, you picked a good day to come back. You know, NBA has now set out their schedule, and it's it's listed out for us. Uh, some early ma- early morning games for the Utah Jazz. It's going to be kind of an interesting turn for us. And only one really late night game. Everything else is pretty good on time. Uh, and then, of course, the MLB is uh, getting back into spring training. What? To uh, When are they back in spring training? This week? Uh, Friday? No. Wednesday? I think. I can't remember. July 1st or 3rd. But uh, baseball's coming back. So that'll be nice to have. Yes. Uh, baseball is coming back. They're making plans for... Uh, their the, the players are expected to vote to agree to the 60 games. Though, um, we're, we're hearing today, you know, just heard, you know, there's some players that are... Uh, the, the, the debate has shifted from how many games will be played to if games should be played, not because of financial reasons, because this uh, coronavirus is still going up. It's not going down. It's not plateauing in very many places. And so uh, we're, we're hearing more and more reports of, of staffers, uh, players themselves, others within organizations who are testing positive. And so the, the real questions continue. And this is a real question for the NBA right now as well is, you know, at what point do you, do you have to isolate an entire team? And then at what point do you have to shut the whole thing down? Because um, the NBA, they're going to be all isolated together. While that may be a good thing to keep the virus out, but once it's brought in, can you successfully isolate that one player or a few staffers? Uh, but what if it starts to spread because everybody's in close quarters? Um, that's a real, real problem. So those questions have not been answered. The NBA, 
Major League Baseball, NHL, none of them have come out and said, if we reach this threshold, we have to shut it down. Yeah. Nobody's come out to say that. Yeah. Uh, hey, let me ask you something. Uh, Dip Crap Doug Gottlieb, uh, who uh, does the show Dip Crap Doug okay. every uh, every weekday, Monday through Friday, Okay. Just sucks. Um, he, he talked about how the fact- our 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 lead in. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Before you get to the good stuff, which is us. Uh, what are your thoughts on him calling out players for saying that they're going to sit out for family members? He talked about how family, the full family thing, is just a bullcrap excuse. So he's calling out Avery Bradley. Yeah, he's calling out Trevor Ariza. Avery bad. Avery Bradley. Excuse me. He called out some baseball players for that exact same reason, saying, no, it, it has nothing to do with family. It's you trying to make a statement about yourself. Agree or disagree with that? I, I really disagree with that. Yeah. Um, you, you, I know there are a wide variety of opinions about the coronavirus. Some are like, don't go out of your house even now. Or if you do, you got to be, you know, masks on and gloves, and you expect everyone else to have masks on. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if they don't, you're going to go chew them out. To the other side of the spectrum, where people are like, "This is a," they're calling it a scam demic. This is not a big deal. This is a big hoax. It's not a problem. It's not really a problem that people aren't really dying from this at the same rate as other common flus. It's not that big a deal. And then there's you know there's people in the, in the middle in, in between that spectrum, but who am I to say that if you feel like your family is at risk, who am I to to publicly shame you or make fun of you because you have that feeling or you have that fear? Because you look at the science, yes, there are people who are at risk, and if you bring something home to those people who are at risk, and they get sick, and heaven forbid if they die. Can you imagine the guilt? Yeah, you're looking at a worse that problem person? than yeah. I, I'm so with you. I I think that's I think it's silly. If somebody feels strongly that you know what I've got, I've got family members that are immunocompromised or at the high risk category. If they get this thing, it's it's going to be really bad for them. And I would be the one out there potentially exposing them to that. I can't. I can't fault them for feeling like that. So I think it's I, I think it's disappointing if anybody's out there shaming other people that way. Yeah, well, Dip Crap Doug uh, on his show uh, called Dip Crap Doug uh, <laughs> that falls just before, or I guess it's just before us, went out there and did that. And it, it bugged me. It, it really did. I, I don't think Ariz is out there trying to make a political statement. I think Ariz does care about his family. Like you said, uh, I think they just had a newborn. Or, I mean, they it wasn't too long ago, like a three-month, four-month-old kid, and he just doesn't want to go out there and risk anything coming back from Florida. I don't blame him. I really don't blame him for not going. I don't blame players for not going if it's with family reasoning. Like if, like you said, kids or mom or dad, and if you bring anything back and it affects them, there's, there's a bigger problem than not winning an NBA championship. We're talking about family here and their health on the line. I But yeah. I also think there needs to be some thought about are these guys – are their families going to be with them while they're in these environments? Yeah, it's true. Are these vulnerable populations going to be with them while they're in the bubble? Or can they just say, look, I'm going to go do this. i got to leave for a little while. I'm going to be isolated with this group. 
you're going to be safe here. We can do this. Uh, we can, you know, I can still get paid. We can still do some things to, to get you taken care of. You don't need to be in the middle of all this. Yeah, no, and and, and I totally agree with you on that. I, because I, if you do get to the second round, right? Because families are allowed to enter in after the first round. So if that's the case, then you're bringing your family into it. And I mean, I, to, I just feel like that's a bigger risk than anything. I think you keep fans out of it completely. You leave the family out of it, and you just play in empty arenas. That way, you're not risking more people's lives. Yeah, but you know what? It's it's easy for you and I to sit here and say, you just leave your family behind. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But you, they're going to be stuck in a in a place where they can't get out of. They shouldn't be leaving, and they're not going to have their family or their support system around them. That's that'd be really hard. There's a real mental. <laughs> health aspect of this that having family or at least those close confidants with you uh, means a lot so yeah it's a it's a a (laughs) tricky thing very very difficult thing yeah absolutely now for the portland trailblazers they won't have trevor ariza but they do have some other big guys who they haven't had uh coming back because they've had injuries but now because of the delay and how much time has passed they are going to be available for the Portland Trailblazers. So the the Trailblazers, not that big of a difference for them, but it is a difference for for the LA Lakers. So they're looking at potentially bringing on J.R. Smith. That's the news today. What? (laughs) You know, every time I think of J.R. Smith and LeBron James playing together, it's like those two friends who, they're friends, but they annoy the crap out of each other, right? Uh, J.R. Smith has these moments where you just, I mean, you don't know what he's been doing that day. But and, and you don't know what's going through his brain when he does stuff on the court. But then there's times where he shines. Like, there's times when he hits, you know, eight, nine, three-pointers in the game, and you're like, heck yeah, JR. And then there's times where you have a timeout left in the NBA Finals, <laughs> and you get the rebound, and you're like, let me dribble out no like clock four awareness. or five seconds of this clock here while we're down by one. So, uh, yeah, there's... I, 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 but I think, honestly, Jarrett's a great fit for the LA Lakers. I think he's a better fit than Danny Green for LA. And I think you might see him get some more minutes over Danny Green. Really? Yeah. Look, so I, I think Danny Green gives you a little more defense. I don't think Danny Green's a smart basketball player. Now, I know. I know. We're talking what? about JR. I know. We're talking about JR Smith here with that. I know that. Yeah, who are you comparing him to? <laughs> I, I get it. But Danny Green makes so many dumb mental mistakes. Like, JR's made a couple, one of them being the NBA Finals. Yes, I get it, on national television in front of the world to see. But Danny Green constantly makes stupid mistakes, even when he was playing for the Raptors, but it was covered up by Fred Van Fleet, uh, Kyle Lowry, uh, Kawhi Leonard. Those mistakes were covered up. When he was playing for San Antonio, they were covered up by Kawhi Leonard, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, Boris Diaw. Like, they were covered up. And Patty Mills... And and really, I guess to an extent, you're kind of covered. They kind of covered up during the season with LeBron and Anthony being there, but not as much because on the perimeter, you don't have a ton of help. Alex Caruso is a okay ball player, but he's not Manu or Tony Parker or Kyle Lowry. And so when he makes dumb mistakes, they're going to actually expose the Lakers even more, and it's going to put them in a hole. Like and, and Danny Green makes a lot more mistakes than he makes good decisions. I'd rather have Jr. in his shooting on the court than Danny Green. Wow, I 
Can't agree with you on that one. I just Why do you that, like Danny Green? If I can ask. Well, I just I think that he's, I think he's just a little bit younger, a little <laughs> more athletic. Yeah. I actually don't think he makes that many bad mistakes. But they're covered up, so you don't even notice, though. And I think J.R. Smith is a he's a momentum guy. Mm-hmm. He's a, if he's feeling it, yeah, streaky. he's great to have on your team. Absolutely. If he's not, man, he does not even belong on the bench. <laughs> he's just stu- sucking up air. So. I think you go with what what's a little more consistent. You know what you can rely on. You know what you're going to get with Danny Green. You don't know what you're going to get with J.R. Smith. But what I'm wondering is, do the Jazz go a similar route? And we haven't heard anything about the Jazz trying to find a replacement for Boyan. Is that because they feel like they don't need one? They're going to be okay without him? Yeah, that's kind of an interesting question. Uh, and I think you bring up a great point. I think they need to go get somebody. They need to go find a shooter of some sort. And uh, as crazy as it sounds, Jr. actually would have been the right guy for that because um, you don't you don't really need him to play that much defense. You need him to be able to shoot from the corner and spread the floor. That's what you're really looking for. Um, and you're right; he's streaky as all get out, no doubt. Uh, but man, when he's on, it is tough. Like you could have a hand in his grill, and he's still going to find a way to put it in. It's incredible. And and the Jazz needs somebody like that to spread the floor because without Bojan, they don't have that guy. Nobody spreads the floor. Okay, so I posed this question on Twitter, and if you were on the Twitter, you can vote on this. I, I put out a Ooh. poll question. I got to get this. Who needs to step up the most for the Utah Jazz during the restart? And parentheses, mostly due to the absence of Boyan Bogdanovich. Ooh, I like this list. So uh, here are the selections. Mike Connolly, Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, Royce O'Neal. Now, I purposely did not put Donovan Mitchell on this list because he's already going to play at a high level. We expect him to play at a high level, and he's going to amp it up. But these are the guys that potentially could fill some of the, that time and that role and that significance that is lost from Boyan and his injury. So, again, the choices are Mike Connolly, Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, Royce O'Neal, who will need to step up the most. And I just put this up here what, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes ago. 73% of the votes already say Mike Conley. Nobody really? has voted. Nobody has really? voted for Royce O'Neal yet. See, I'm putting in Jordan Clarkson. That's who I voted for. Jordan Clarkson, I think, I mean, they need some scoring coming off the bench so, so badly without Bogdanovich. And I think Jordan Clarkson's got to be that guy. Royce O'Neal hasn't got a vote yet, man. Yeah, that's, that's shocked. Shocked. I am shocked. You are thrilled if you're Royce right now, by the way. You are just ecstatic. You have to do Jack. It's all on Mike Conley. I'd like to know from our listeners who you think needs to step up. 435-339-0321 to text in or 435-752-1069 to call in. Uh, I'm with you. You know, who needs to step up the most for the Utah Jazz during the restart, as you asked, mostly due to the absence of Bojan, Mike, Ingles, Clarkson, or O'Neal, and Conley, it's not even close. Or, or is there another option that I didn't yeah, include? Yeah, Is there, by the way, if there was another option that someone else thought of that you didn't put on the list, who would that be for you? Sorry, I said one more time. So, okay, so besides the four guys on the list, yeah. if someone were to say, you know what, there's someone else that needs to step up, who would that guy be? The only other one that I might consider, uh, in addition to those, would probably be George Niang. Oh, that's a good one. Similar that's body build, one. similar opportunity to stretch yeah. the floor. 
can can go into the paint. Uh, so it kind of plays a similar position as Boyan, but not nearly as talented. But uh, he's in, that's another guy that maybe could step up. But I just saw of those four, I just think they probably have a greater chance of playing a, a more significant role um, because of uh, Boyan's absence. But I don't know. I, mean, I, I could be wrong. I'd love to hear any other thoughts or suggestions. Yeah, I'd like to hear... From again on Twitter at efranson or, or text in at three three nine zero three two one area code four three five. Who who is the guy that needs to step up the most? Besides, I mean, you got Donovan and Rudy. We're going to put them aside. Without Boyan Bogdanovich, who needs to step up the most? Man, I really think Jordan Clarkson needs to be big now, coming off the bench. Because that's just so much scoring they lose. Eric, it sucks, man. The closer we get, the more nervous I am. To not have Bogdanovich on the court. So, with that knowledge, now we know Boyan is not going to be available. We know somebody's going to need to step up and fill that void. Maybe not just one guy. Maybe that's spread around a couple of different guys who all step up. But we know the Jazz schedule now. Let's get into that for just a moment. Okay. Jazz released this, when was this, Friday night? Yep, it was Friday night at 5 o'clock. Before you get to that, here was originally the Jazz next eight games on the schedule. Originally, Thunder, Pelicans, Grizzlies, Lakers twice, Spurs twice, and then the Mavericks. Keep that in mind. Go ahead. So I, those were the teams that were originally the yep. teams that were going to be invited to uh, Orlando. Any team that was not going to be invited to Orlando <laughs> was not on that they list. Would have skipped over. So yep. what the actual schedule is going to look like? They will open against New Orleans. On Thursday, July 30th, they'll be one of the first games played. Now, they will be the first game yeah. played, actually. That'll be 4.30 hour time on TNT. That cuts into us. Happily, we step aside. Yes. Then the Jazz play two days later against Oklahoma City. Two days later against the Lakers. Two days later against Memphis. Two days later against San Antonio. And then their one and only back-to-back game is it's uh, they go Friday against San Antonio and then Saturday against Denver, two days later against Dallas and then three days later against San Antonio. So they have San Antonio on there twice, Memphis and New Orleans. Those are all teams that are below the pack, fighting to even make the playoffs. And you only have the Lakers once. You right, they only play an elite team one once. time. Well, did you put the Nuggets on that list as an elite team or no? I consider an elite team like the top four overall. In the NBA In as the a whole. NBA. Okay, so Milwaukee, Clippers, Lakers. Gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, by the way, times for those games, as you were just mentioned, 4.30 for the Pelicans. So July 30th, we have no show. Season 3 will start on July 31st. August 1st, game against Thunder is at one thirty. Seven against the Lakers, 12.30. These are all mountain time, by the way. 12.30 against the Grizzlies, 11 a.m. versus the Spurs, 1.30 p.m. versus the Nuggets, 1 p.m. versus the Mavs, and then a to-be-determined game versus the Spurs. So, Eric, only one evening game, that whole entire schedule, 7 o'clock versus the Lakers on ESPN. And only two ga- no, three games excuse me, are going to be on the AT&T Sports Network. That'd be Grizzlies, Spurs, and Spurs again. Everything else is televised on national television. How about the Zion effect? Second most game, no, third most most games out of all the teams are going to be nationally televised. Third most. The Zion Williamson effect, man. How about that? What do you mean? 
So oh, for the Pelicans? Yeah, the Pelicans are the third highest team to have national television games during this restart. Okay, so that's interesting. The other interesting part of this, the folks over at The Athletic, they put together a kind of a scoring system uh, um, of each NBA team Ooh. and how difficult their yeah. eight-game schedule is. Okay. And guess who has the easiest schedule? The New Orleans Pelicans. Really? Can I guess the hardest? Do they have the hardest on there? Yes. I'm going to say the Grizzlies got absolutely screwed over. No, actually, it was the Miami Heat. No way. Oh, no way. Right. If The way that they scored it, and they scored it, you know, they had a couple different categories. Washington Wizards. If you played the Washington Wizards, that's like the easiest possible. That was, they call that, that's worth one point. If you, they called the See You Soon Seven, uh, the other seven teams that are fighting for uh, a playoff spot. Then they have New Orleans, that's worth two points. New Orleans is worth two and a half. If you play them, then they call it the Elite Eight. The Jazz are among that group. And then they have the Fab Five, the top five teams in the NBA, and they're worth four points. So the Jazz, their score was 21 and a half. New Orleans was 18. Miami was 26. Okay, so Significantly how, more difficult than uh, New Orleans. Okay, so oh, let's look at this really quickly. The Grizzlies schedule. Portland Spurs, Pelicans, Jazz, Thunder, Raptors, Celtics, Milwaukee. They got the Raptors, Celtics, and Milwaukee to close the dang restart. The Heat have Denver, Toronto, Boston, Milwaukee, Phoenix, Indiana, Oklahoma City, Indiana. Yeah, you're right. Actually, maybe the Heat do have a harder schedule. Memphis is isn't is not a cakewalk. But I think you're right. I think Miami does have the hardest schedule. Uh, Memphis was scored at a 24 and a half. Oof. Lakers and uh, Nuggets, by the way, at a 25 each. Do you have? So the they st- had the hardest hardest schedules in the West. Bad, in the West. Bad question. To ask you. Do you have the standings right there by chance or no? I do. Okay. Give me where where do the Heat sit right now in the Eastern Conference? Miami Heat are number four. They are. Two and a half games behind Boston, two games ahead of Indiana. Oh my gosh! Those two final, those two out of three final games there at the end of the restart is going to be huge because they play Indiana. And where does Memphis sit? Memphis is currently in the eighth position in the West, so they are uh, seven games behind Dallas. Okay, they're out of that, and they are three and a half games ahead of Portland, New Orleans, and Sacramento. And Portland's got the easiest schedule. Four games ahead of Pelicans. You said. Pelicans have the easiest schedule. Portland's got a tough schedule, or in plus, they don't have Trevor Ariza. And I know that's not a huge blitz on them. Because right, they're going to have Nurkic back. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not a huge blitz on them because they get... Uh, Trevor is just great for defense. Offense is very sporadic at best at these at, during these years. They got Memphis, Boston, Houston, Denver, Clippers, Sixers, Mavericks, and Nets out. So they're probably... I mean. Really, they could win the first one and win the last one and everything else in between is a loss. Because Boston, Houston, Denver, Clippers, Sixers, and Dallas. Oh, that's brutal. Uh, by the way, you mentioned the Nets. Brooklyn yes. Nets, just uh, within the last 20 minutes, Sham Sharania at The Athletic reporting that Spencer Dinwiddie has tested positive for coronavirus. So would he join him at the so restart then? He, uh, If he does, he'll be delayed. 
because like the Jazz are supposed to fly to Orlando on the eighth, and right? Start practicing on the seventh. On the seventh, yeah, they're one of the first six teams, six or eight teams. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. They uh they start this week. Where is next week? Excuse me. I'm kind of interested. Um, I listened to a little bit of the Quinn Snyder audio on NBA.com of Quinn Snyder talking. Uh, and, I mean, of course, the questions were coming up of the political standpoint. When the team does get back to playing basketball, I'm going to be kind of interested to hear what he thinks of the lineup without Bogdanovich. Now what do you do without that one really reliable shooter? Because Ingles is not reliable. Donovan's not reliable. Uh, Mike Conley is sure as heck not reliable. They got to find someone who can actually put the ball in the net at a consistent rate to put some pressure on the defense to spread the court because that's what killed them against Houston last year when Crowder and everyone else was going one for 50. Well, it may be by committee. It may be rotating a lot of different guys through there. Does that work? You get you get five or six points out of uh, George Nyang. You get... I mean, what does Clarkson need? 12 to, points out of Jordan Clarkson. Is that you what you're asking points for him out to of Joe Ingles. You're asking for So you're asking 12 out of Clarkson, hopefully as an average, right? Uh, I actually think Clarkson could give you more than that. You think he could? I hope. But 12 points out of uh, Royce O'Neal. I mean, I think he's, it's by committee. I think he spread it around. I don't think there's one guy who just steps in and says, okay, I'm, I'm going to do what Boyan has done. I don't think the Jazz are built that way. I think it's going to be a couple different guys whose averages will be up a little bit. And cumulatively, they make up the difference. If they want to have a chance in this and to hold their position at number four, not lose ground, and maybe even move up to number three, it's got to be by committee. But I agree with the people how they're reacting to our poll. I think Mike Connolly plays a larger role in that. He doesn't play anything close to the same position as Boyan, but he can help the rest of the team be better by if he played at his most optimal. Do you trust him as the point guard for the Utah Jazz here in this restart? I mean, I I, I know. I, I have a hard time. Uh, me too. The inconsistency of Mike Conley has killed the Jazz in so many games. I don't know what happened from his transition on the bus or the plane from Memphis to Utah. But something has snapped in him where he just has not been the same. And it's killed the Jazz in so many games. And I'm scared that it's going to do it again. They've got a decent schedule. We'll get into that in a little bit. They've got a decent schedule. But he, you're going to need to see a more consistent Mike Conley or this Jazz team is going to find themselves in 6th, 7th place. Not that it really matters. It's I mean, no, there's no home court advantage. Tonight it's playing to... You know, find the best opponent that matches up with you. And that's another question. Do you think some teams will purposely lose games? Because, again, there's no home court advantage. Now it's just based on who you're matched up with. Lose a couple of games to try to get to that opponent that they want to say, hey, I want to avoid the Lakers in round two. I'd rather play the Clippers in round two. I don't know if if teams will purposely lose, but I think you will definitely see teams be selective on who they do and do not play ah, from okay. their rosters. In fact, we got some audio on that. We'll get to that. Okay. We'll give you our predictions with this eight games that the Utah Jazz have. I can't Jazz wait to have. hear yours. How many games do you think they'll win? How many might they lose? And uh, who needs to step up from the Utah Jazz to fill the role that will be lost with the Boyan Bogdanovich injury? He'll be out 
Uh, plus, we do have some news about Major League Baseball. We'll get into that as well. Coming up on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Some of these teams at the top have built, um, you know, cushions in the standings, and they don't have to fight for seating or fight for playoff positioning, and they intend to use that, I believe. Um, and this could end up, for some of the teams, it's going to be every game is going to be life and death, but for some of these teams, this is going to be like an eight-game preseason. So we're going to get some good matchups, but player availability is going to be a constant topic over that first two and a half weeks. That's Brian Windhorst uh, talking about player availability, and he's he predicts that there will be numerous stars who will not play a full eight-game uh, scheduled restart here, and that there may be several teams that say, you know what, we already our position is is secure. We're not moving anywhere. We're not at threat of moving up or down. So let's just ease our way into the playoffs here. Let's not go crazy, like the Lakers. They have a five and a half game cushion over the over the Clippers. I think it'd be I'd be shocked if we saw LeBron, LeBron James and, and Anthony games. Davis play all eight games. Each. Yeah, they'll sit out the, the the probably the ones that are cakewalks for them. I mean, what do they? They've got uh, they've got Clippers, Toronto, Utah. I, I bet you they play in all three of those games. Thunder, they won't. Houston, they will. Indiana, they probably won't. Denver, they probably will. And Sacramento, they probably won't. Depending on where they're at. By the time they get to Sacramento, and the Clippers are another team. I mean, they'll play against the Pelicans. Who knows? Phoenix, I don't think they will. Dallas, I don't think they will. To be honest, Portland, they probably won't. <laughs> they could really rest their guys for four out of the eight games and still come out spit shined into the Western Conference playoffs. Right, it, just like preseason. It's just tune ups. Uh, let's get our legs underneath us. Let's not go crazy. And then when the playoffs are there, then we're a little more ready to go. Uh, hey, I wanted to ask you with uh, with the schedules the way they look. Utah Jazz. Let's let's, let's do it. Let's stand here. What do the Jazz look like after these eight restart games? Pelicans, Thunder, Lakers, Memphis, Spurs, Denver, Mavericks, Spurs. Kay. I debated this. I went the I went I'm back so and forth to on this. I'm so excited this from you. I haven't heard it yet. Okay. Let's go. Uh, Pelicans. Win. Win. So they're 1-0 going in. Uh, Thunder. Win. Win. 2-0. Lakers. Loss. Loss. 2-1. Memphis. Win. 3-1. Spurs. Uh, I said loss. I'm saying a loss on this one because it's on the front end of a back-to-back. Yeah. Okay. So three and two. Uh, Denver win. win. Four and two. Dallas win. win. Me too. <laughs> I'm not as confident, but I'm saying win. And San Antonio. Sorry, I have Dallas as a loss. Oh, you do. I, I have San Antonio as a win. See, and, and Dallas could potentially be a loss. Chris Stapps. Doncic are a problem when no Bojan Bojanovic is on the court to play defense. He does so many things defensively too. So I have the Jazz at five and three. I have the Jazz at six and two. I think they beat Dallas. Uh, I think they split that Spurs series. And I think they lose to the Lakers. Five and three and or I'm, six I'm, and two. I'm really trying to be optimistic. Okay, yeah. they easily could go three <clears throat> and five without Bojan. Yeah. Uh, and who knows what that chemistry is going to be like on the court after what happened in March. So give me the latter. Give me the pessimistic side of it. 
what would you say that if you're pessimistic about it would be your win losses on there? What games would they win? What games would they lose? So if they can't figure out how to replace Boyan and kind of retool what life is like without Boyan, um, I, I think they only get wins over San Antonio and Memphis. One more. Or they go two and six. Well, they play San Antonio or twice. twice. Oh, so you have them sweeping San Antonio yeah. and getting them. So they lose Even to the then, Pel- I don't know. I mean, they, they lost to San Antonio before the season uh, So they lose disrupted. to the Pelicans, though, too, huh? Yeah, they, they really struggled against New Orleans. What worries, about, what worries me about the Pelicans so much is the great shooting. Like, and, I, I, and Zion underneath is a monster. Derek Favors has been really, really, really good for the Pelicans. J.J. Reddick's a great shooter. Uh, J. Rue Holiday's a problem as well. That's a good basketball team that they're young, and if they can put it together for a stretch, which they can, can go on a run and make a run at this uh, in this eight-game restart. Well, I think the guy that gave the Jazz uh, the most fits was, um, gosh, now his name is escaping me. He was with the Lakers before he came over. Oh, Ingram. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon Ingram. Ingram. Uh, Jazz could not stop him in one of their games uh, just a few months back. Yeah. And so uh, I think they've got a really, really difficult uh, front court that makes it tough for the Jazz. Rudy can't guard all those guys. Between Ingram, Williamson, and uh, and um, Derek Favors, man, that's a that's a tough, tough matchup for Rudy Gobert to try to handle yeah. alone. Yeah, and again, I think teams have figured out that Rudy can't drift to the free throw line and then try to recover as quick. It just isn't working. I mean, I think uh, Houston kind of figured it out with Harden of going to the rim, making Rudy Rudy drift up. And then throwing a bounce pass underneath to uh, to whoever was Quinn Capella, Gordon got a couple of easy ones, um, just stuff like that. If they make Rudy have to move outside the comfort zone, they're gonna be in trouble. Well, and who are they gonna play at the four? Yeah, uh, that's what really concerns me. What and is your in a matchup against New Orleans, particularly? Who would the Jazz play at the four? What does your starting lineup look like right now? Uh, I think you have Mike Connolly. Donovan, Joe, and Royce, and then Rudy. Rudy, man, there is no depth on that bench, is there? Oh, <laughs> yep, that kills us. Uh, yeah, that that looks about right to me. That sounds about right to me. Man, that could kill us. I though. mean, that's just the real challenge. Who plays the four? Who plays the power forward position? And there's no rumor or talk about what they've. What they're doing to replace Boyan is there? There's nothing. No, I've searched. I think they're just going to go with who they have. Yeah, it's going to hurt them. Uh, okay, so after the eight game restart, Jazz finish where and have to play who in the first round? Uh, that's a fair question. So what does your eight look like right now? <clears throat> the, uh, the the standings right now. The Jazz have a slim lead. On that number four position, I don't think they they catch Denver. Me neither. No, they're not catching Denver. Surpassed. I am with you on that. But uh, I think they easily could fall to that sixth spot. I think it's more likely they're either four or fifth, fourth or fifth. I think Houston's going to try to make a run to be in the four or five because they want to face the Lakers in the second round. Um, and this, I don't know, this style of of tournament, whatever you want to call this restart. 
may really uh, uh, benefit the Houston Rockets more than many other teams. But uh, I mean, they're pretty common foes for the Jazz. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, Houston Rockets seems like every time there's a playoffs, they got to go through those teams. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it's when I look at the, the Lakers are going to capture the one spot. I don't think anyone even comes close to it. I think the Denver Nuggets and the Clippers swap spots, and I think the Clippers don't. I mean, not because they they lose games with their roster, but because Kawhi and Paul George sit. I mean, I really think they sit at four games. They play half, mm. and they say, you know what? Two or three, it doesn't matter. We're still going to beat whoever's at that seven-six position. They, that, I think they're going to be that confident. Uh, I think the Jazz slip a spot to five, and Houston gets to four, and uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder drop to six, and then Mavericks and Memphis. I don't know if anybody catches those two teams. Uh, I think Memphis does okay. I mean, even if they go zero and eight, Sacramento or New Orleans or Portland have got to have good, like really good runs here. And in eight games to do that with the schedules they've been given, not an easy task. I think Memphis, even if they were to go zero and eight, go one and seven, they're still in at the eight spot. Yeah, I think that's probably the most intriguing. Yes, is what happens absolutely. in that eighth position. Absolutely, uh, everything else maybe some changes in positions because right now. Four, five, and six in the West is super, super tight. Oh, yeah. So there's going to be some movement there. But, yeah, I, I agree. I think that Memphis and who's going to try to knock them off, I think New Orleans is best positioned to do that. But um, I think that's what's going to be one of the more intriguing aspects of this eight games that take place. But as, as we mentioned, uh, Houston is a really intriguing team in this format. Uh, Jay Williams, he is uh, he's made some comments where – he really thinks that they are trying to get into position to face the Lakers, uh, the best possible scenario for them in the second round if they can get there. I think their, their style of play really throws people off. And, and let's remember, guys, this is not home or away. I, I think this style of basketball is going to be more similar to pickup style basketball. And as long as that guys like P.J. Tucker are finally healthy, uh, you talk about Eric Gordon, like can he be healthy and can he play? But if I'm Houston – I am trying to mirror and be in that bracket with the Lakers. So the Lakers, number one, will see that I'm trying to be in that four or five range so I can be partnered with them because I think that is the matchup they want to see in the Western Conference conference semifinals. I don't think they want to see the Clippers into the finals because of their, their wings and the way they can match up. But a bigger Laker team where you can involve them in a ton of PNR and James Harden and Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook could get hot, that could be the matchup that you're looking for if you're the Rockets. That's interesting. Of course, they have to make it to the semifinals yeah. first. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Still, huh? I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the, the Rockets experiment, teams were starting to figure them out a little bit. Uh, how to defend them and how to uh, attack them a little bit more. Granted, one of those teams was not necessarily the Jazz, though they did win in Houston, thanks to a end of end of game buzzer beater by Bojan Bogdanovic. But I feel like teams... Maybe he's figuring out how to play against Houston a little bit better. But he's right. If, if no fans in the stands, it's going to feel very different. It's going to be in a small gym. It's going to have a very different feel. And that may benefit a team like Houston and how they play. So it'll be up to like, who's going to be the most disciplined. Who's going to do run their stuff and, and be true to their identity. Who's going to try to change their identity just because of this format. 
Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I think if anybody, Houston's kind of got the biggest eyeball on that because they did give away Clint Capella. They play small ball now. It's going to kill them. It's going to absolutely, uh, honestly, New Orleans could beat them because of that alone. Derek Favors and Zion Williamson would eat that small ball lineup alive. Why? Because Zion is athletic enough to play small ball while being a big guy. Well, they give themselves multiple possessions yeah. with offensive rebounds. Yeah. And and that and that wears out a team in so many ways. If you're if you give up an offensive rebound and then a bucket with it, it just kills you. And I think I think Houston's the one that's gonna really end up paying for that. Well, just see, one of the other things about this NBA restart is this opportunity that NBA players may have to change the name on their jerseys to highlight social causes. We know that was one of the things that, that was a real concern among NBA players is that they were hesitant to return to play because of there were some social discussions that were going on, very important, that they didn't want to feel like they were going to create a distraction away from that. They still wanted to be involved in some social change that was important to them. And a lot of players, more than than not, saying, look, this will be an opportunity for us to continue this discussion and this dialogue, and this will give us a, a platform uh, to do that. And one of those that's being discussed is giving players an opportunity to change the name on their jersey to be the name of George Floyd or somebody else that uh, has uh, had some problems because of um, social inequality. And Jay Williams, again, Kind of weighing in on this, is that really a good idea or not? Like the idea overall, but at the same time, you know, some of the NBA just to play devil's advocate against it for a second. Hear me out on this, and Perk, I'm curious to get your opinion. So, you know, some of the NBA names and players have some of the most recognizable faces there is in the planet, on in the world, and so it's not natural for people always to look at the names on the back of their jerseys. When you see Giannis running down the floor you know that's Giannis. When you see LeBron, you know that's LeBron, James Harden. So I like the idea of changing some of the names on the back of jerseys to a degree, but can you take it potentially a step further? You know, if, if uh, can you call a player that person's name? Can, uh, you know, over to PA announcement when they score a bucket? Are there other ways to bring way more attention than just having their name on the back of a jersey that a lot of times fans may not pay attention to? Yeah, I mean, I can understand his point. Like, here's the thing is, uh, it's Kevin Durant, or it's it's his son of a Mitchell, but in, instead of Mitchell on the back of his jersey, it's, you know, Black Lives Matter, or whatever it is. Um, I think there's a different way to do it. Is it for, well, I guess my other question is, is it for all social causes? Or yeah. only specific to the, the current movement that we're, Experiencing, experiencing with Black Lives Matter. Uh, yeah, it's a good question, man. Well, and and look, what if uh, players like somewhere in Serbia, there's something going on there? Or, uh, well, and here's the thing: is Chechnya or aren't we else. getting back to basketball to focus on basketball? Like, I get like the whole political statement thing, but we've and and we can never we can never stop doing that, right? Raising our voices, sharing information, and helping lift this country to be better. But doing it during a basketball game just seems weird to me. Is that selfish to say? I just, I'd rather see Mitchell on the back of Donovan Mitchell's jersey than Black Lives Matter. Like, we can, 
We can have those signs posted around, maybe as billboards around the court. You could have it, uh, or an armband, or an armband, or written on your shoe, or even just like a warm up, right? You have it on your warm up. That's that's your statement right there. That is your warm up. But during a basketball game, let's 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 focus on back. Like we we get a chance for how many days to take our minds off of all the all the stuff that's been going on. And and a chance to just breathe a little bit of freshness. Yeah, of but I basketball. guess that's the point of these NBA players. They don't want you to be distracted from this movement. They want to continue the dialogue and the awareness. And they don't want it to be a distraction. They want to be part of the cause to help further the change and, and things that are going on to improve things, not to step away and, and forget about it for a moment. Well, in that case, I mean, well, I mean, because. Fred Fred Van Fleet came out and said uh, that it sucks that he had to make the choice to play, that they shouldn't be playing, but he'll do it anyways. Uh, he went on to say, quote, uh, you know, life goes on. We're all young black guys. None of us want to give any money back. I don't think that we should. I think that money can be used in a number of different ways. This is not going to end this summer regardless. Over the next couple of months, this issue of racial injustice, social injustice, police brutality, all these things are not ending anytime soon. Our fight was long-term. That was part of my decision, end quote. But if that's the case, maybe we shouldn't be playing right now then. because if and, 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 and like I said, these guys have a voice. They have a podium where they can say what they want to say, and it echoes and reverberates everywhere around the country because of who they are. If that is the, if that is the problem, we probably need to focus on that then. Yeah, but I think that the, the, the head people, the Players Association, have communicated this well, that your opportunity to speak out or to make a statement will be greater in playing the game than if you were not playing the game. Yeah. Uh, coming up next here in the Full Court Press, Major League Baseball, NFL. We've got news about the Patriots. Uh, good news, bad news, or it could be bad news, bad news, depending on how you want to look at it. Some how they're in the news and Major League Baseball getting ready for their start as well. Coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. And the NFL just did its job by the evidence. It had no choice in this particular situation but to hand down the penalties it did against the Patriots on Sunday night. Third-round draft pick, $1.1 million in fines, and the Patriots' TV production crew can't videotape games in the upcoming season. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, the NFL coming down on the Patriots for something that was non-football related. Was, that's the that's the Patriots' claim is they, that it was a and production it was, and crew. It was filmed for a documentary that, like Bill Belichick, really had no. It was over. It was like from Kraft Productions, so Bill Belichick had nothing to do with it. But of course, Roger Goodell has this bitter like hatred for New England. Right? They, they have a have a cloud of suspicion around them always. Okay, but we're filming for a stupid documentary or something like that of some video guy for whatever dumb reason by Robert Kraft. See, see, it was Robert Kraft who really screwed up this time. It wasn't the Patriots. It was Robert Kraft. That guy just... Did I mean, Robert Kraft screw up also with signing Cam Newton? Uh, 
uh, is that a screw up? Signing an MVP from just a few years ago who needed a new offense and maybe new brain and fresher mind. He needs new legs and needs a new shoulder too. I think the legs or the other shoulder might be a problem. <laughs> I think he's okay to sign as a as a backup. Yeah. Well, and just remember, it's a one-year deal. There's no harm in this. It's a one-year deal. Look, we get you, we use you when we need to, or we start you if we need to. How much does the Patriot offense change now that Tom Brady is gone? Uh, it depends. Um, it depends for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, because George Sim ran in that same offense last year in preseason and was very, very good in preseason. Uh, I know that's only four games of of being able to look at him, but in four games, he actually looked all right. Cam Newton is not a guy who stands in the pocket and can make a throw. He doesn't have the ability to, like Tom Brady, ignore every bullet coming at him and still stare down a receiver running a 10-yard deep route in and put it on the money. That, that was one of Tom Brady's specialties. Jared Stidham could be that guy. Cam Newton's someone different. He's got to be able to be mobile with the legs and whatnot and create on his own. Uh, Dan Orlovsky says that Cam Newton poses a threat to the entire AFC. But if he's healthy, this is a problem for the AFC because now the Patriots certainly have somebody at the quarterback position that's got experience, that's got talent, and in a a way that Josh McDaniels probably has never had both in the run game and the multiplicity they can do with that scheme. Okay, Dan, like change your diaper. Relax, dude. We <laughs> calm down. Uh, is is it an interesting signing? Sure, but don't put out this baloney that the whole entire AFC needs to watch out. The Chiefs would like to talk to you. The Bills are really good this year. The Bills have improved dramatically. Miami's actually a little bit better too. Don't give me this AFC needs to watch out. Just no, don't. Just shut it. Hey, the the last minute we have here on the show, Major League Baseball looks like they are moving forward. Mm. Uh, they're going to agree to a sixty game season, but here's the problem: they're not doing it in a bubble. They're doing it all at their home fields, and Canada has basically said if you're non essential, you can't come into our country. So what happens with the Toronto Blue Jays? Oh, I don't know. Can they find? So wait. Time out. Are they not allowed to come into North America? Well, what's the rule then, Eric? Are they allowed to come and play or no? Do they just need to find a place they're, to play? They're trying to classify major league teams as essential. Well, yeah, it or is. Or somehow get a, a waiver to allow teams to come into Toronto to play games. Oh, no, 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 no. Toronto just needs to go to the AAA stadium and play there. Just go to a AAA stadium and play there in America. You don't. People don't need to come there. Come on, adjust here, Blue Jays. Just go to a AAA stadium, wherever it's at, and play there. If you're in the AL East, go play in the AL East. They have stadiums there for you. You don't... God, no. No one needs to go to freaking Toronto. Well, uh, Major League Baseball is going to have kind of a spring training uh, that will be starting here soon, and then to start playing at the end of July. That's what they're expected to do. I'm huh. happy at least they're making some progress. I am too. I can't wait.